Good morning. Let us pray. God of Jesus Christ, give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Christ, so that the eyes of our hearts might be enlightened. Help us to know the hope to which you have called us, the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints, and the immeasurable greatness of your power at work in us. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The scripture reading today is from the book of James, chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, We're considering wisdom this morning, if you hadn't guessed. And actually what we're doing this morning is we're picking something up from eight months ago. Uh, Remember what I was preaching on eight months ago? Eight months ago, what does it look like to grow into a more mature faith? You've got kind of the the basics of the Christian faith, but what does it it look like to grow up? Just like an infant, I've got a one-year-old. She's starting to discover that there's this whole other world of food. What does it look like for her to grow up and to not just drink milk anymore, but to enjoy bananas and raisins and beans and all the things that that she enjoys. There's a process of growing to maturity, and just like that happens in our bodies, that happens in our faith. James has written to ask the question, what does it look like to grow up spiritually, to become more mature Christians, to become more wise Christians, to become Christians who are always growing? I told uh, Tamara last month, uh, we plan our worship services out a month or two in advance, and so last month, we were planning the October and the November services, and I said, we're going to be in James, we're, I'm going to finish, and I'm really not looking forward to it. And the reason I'm not looking forward to it is the rest of James, we're picking up in James chapter 3, verse 13, the second half of James has some of James' most confusing and hardest teaching. Uh, and it's frankly stuff that I, I don't like to read, I don't want to preach about it, um, And yet it struck me that the exact reason I don't want to preach about it and that it's hard to preach and it's hard to listen to is why James is writing. Because some of growing up and becoming more mature and becoming more wise is being stretched in ways that make us uncomfortable. And James is going to do that. So this is the spiritual equivalent of of like learning to eat our vegetables, right? We're not just eating chicken nuggets and mac and cheese anymore. Like at some point, if you don't want to die of scurvy, you have to learn, okay, like I've got to eat this helping of kale and I've got to eat, you know, whatever. Now, sometimes 
uh, and more and more when you, as you grow up, right? You have to eat more and more healthy stuff. Ten years ago, I could eat whatever I wanted, and I felt great after it. Now, I, like, my body craves vegetables. I'll tell Jamie off in getting ready for dinner. Like, just, just give me as many vegetables because I know I'm going to feel so much better after that. That's enough introduction. Now, this is where we're picking up. We're picking up on these verses in James that Sarah read that I think might actually be the most important little section in James. That's a good place to pick up. It's going to remind us, it's going to give us some structure of what is James about, and it's going to help focus us for the next few weeks as we finish up. There are two reasons I think it's probably the most important section. First is thematically, uh, this section is all about wisdom. James is addressing wisdom very directly. Now, the whole book, in some ways, is about wisdom, and he addresses how do we be wise uh, in hard seasons of life and in seasons of suffering. There are other places where he says, how do we be wise in our words and in how we speak to one another and relate to one another? How do we be wise in terms of how we spend our money? We're going to get to that in a couple of weeks. But this section, he's just talking about wisdom, wisdom itself. So he's addressing this theme head on. And I think James knew when he was writing this section that this was kind of the, this was the most important section of his letter. The reason I say that is because James, uh, uh, New Testament scholars will tell you, the book of James has a very Hebrew feel and style. And Hebrew literature, you see this all throughout the Old Testament especially, is organized uh, in parallel. It's almost symmetrical. So section A the first part, and section Z, the last part of, you know, a psalm or whatever, tend to have basically the same theme. And section B and Y are kind of the same, and section C and X are the same, and so on. And the middle is the point. Like, that's the real meat. If you look structurally at how James is organized, this is the exact middle. So I think very intentionally, James is saying, this is what it's all about. This is what mature Christianity looks like, and it looks like wisdom. So here's how he starts. Who is wise and understanding among you? By the way, does anybody dare raise your, like, yeah, I'm pretty wise. I'm pretty under, (laughs) who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Wisdom produces humility. Which, by the way, is why anybody who would have raised their hand probably isn't wise, right? That's like saying, yeah, I'm a really humble guy. It's probably my best, maybe you've noticed, it's like my best feature. James says wisdom and humility together produce a mature life. But wisdom produces humility, which leads to maturity. Now, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on it this morning. We actually will spend more time on it uh, in 2023, asking What are the types of wisdom and humility that God calls us to? But just consider briefly with me, a lot of us, like, how do you measure a good life? Right? James says, let him show his wisdom by his good life. How do we tend to measure a good life? How how would you measure? Maybe think, how would you measure a good life? As you're looking back over your life, what... What would you say? This, this means I had a good life. What do you aspire to? Now, a lot of us tend to measure it uh, by, its, by our, kind of our output, the things you can see, right? I, I had a good family. I raised a good family. I had a good reputation in my, in my community. 
Maybe I had a successful career. A lot of people came to my funeral. Like, how do we measure a good life or somebody else's good life? But those are all external validations. James says the good life, whatever it is, actually grows out of something internal. Something internal. And he points us to the wisdom and the humility of Christ. In other words, if you want to grow in Christian maturity, James says don't start by looking at the things you're doing. Don't start by looking at your output or the results of your life. Start by looking inward. Now, before he starts to to really wrestle with what wisdom is, he also spends a little bit of time wrestling with what wisdom isn't. So let's consider what is wisdom not. Now, he only actually says two things. Wisdom isn't A and B, but he repeats each of them twice. He says, if you harbor bitter envy, envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, and the New Testament translators here, I think rightly put wisdom in air quotes. Such, quote, wisdom doesn't come down from heaven. It's earthly. It's unspiritual. Then he takes it one step further. He says, it's of the devil. That is devil wisdom. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. I'm not... I'm not sure here if James means for, evil or for, for envy and selfish ambition to be a comprehensive list of what wisdom isn't. But his point is clear that where we see evil, we can usually trace it back to envy or selfish ambition if we go far enough. Now, evil is a strong word, I know. That's what James says. What is evil or what is envy and selfish ambition? I don't, I don't probably have to define them. That wouldn't probably be, be helpful. But, but you know envy and selfish ambition are present if you can't celebrate when someone else gets ahead. We know that envy and selfish ambition are present if we can't celebrate. So, when, so if your coworker gets a promotion, can you celebrate? When your sibling gets an advanced degree beyond your own, can you celebrate? That's autobiographical. (laughs) When your friend's marriage or kids thrive, especially if yours might be in a hard place, can you celebrate for them? How about this? When the other churches in town grow, can you celebrate? Hmm? Pastors deal with this all the time. And scripture teaches, I mean, it it speaks to me and reveals as much in me as it does to anybody else. So one of my best friends, uh, Nate Hasty, he serves as a pastor of a church literally one block from here. They're called Redemption Hill Church. Um, And Nate and I get together, I mean, we talk at least every week, sometimes more. And if you've been in Portsmouth long, you may not know Redemption Hill. It's the old Advent Christian Church on the corner of State and Summer. And Nate and I have to work. We, we actually identified this in our relationship. We have to work to celebrate each other's successes. And it doesn't come naturally. So we've created this discipline, especially recently, that one thing we do is whenever somebody visits our church, and I've, done, I've had this conversation with some of you, whenever somebody visits our church, we say, you should check out Redemption Hill too. You should check them out as well. And, and Nate says, you should check out Middle Street as well. Now, we're both pretty small churches. None of us is this big kind of mega church. But as, as a discipline, now this doesn't, I don't like doing this. 
Can I just be honest? And I actually had to, I confessed to Nate a couple weeks ago. I said, um, I didn't tell this, this, one, uh, this one family that came. I didn't tell them, and I'm sorry. And, and actually what was powerful, side note, the power of confession is that it breaks that, the, the control of that fear, and then it was very easy the next week for me to tell that, for like, you should check out this other church as well. And there's, there's a number of reasons we do this. I mean, probably most significantly because we're, as Christians, like, we care so much more about building God's kingdom than we care about building little castles, okay? So this is not about building the kingdom of Middle Street. This is about the kingdom of God. And if Redemption Hill is a better fit for somebody, then I want them there. And if, if Middle Street's a better fit for someone, then Nate wants them here. But you know what it does is it guards against envy and selfish ambition. Because what if they grow and we don't? I'll tell you, as a pastor, that's a very real fear. That's a very real fear. Envy and selfish ambition are so innate in each of us, they, they just express themselves differently. But James warns us, he says, be on guard against this. Be on guard against the us versus them mindset. Be on guard against what James calls devil wisdom. (laughs) That's a strong phrase, I know. But you see, Satan wants to split us. And we're not just talking about churches here. It's any Christian relationship. Satan wants to divide us. He wants to disintegrate us. And that's exactly what envy and selfish ambition do. God, on the other hand, says, let me show you what wisdom really looks like. What does wisdom really look like? And James gives us a list. It's a pretty good list. It starts on verse 17. Um, And I'm going to expand on this a little bit more towards the end of the season. But let me just plant the seed now. In just a minute, we're going to look at this list of what wisdom looks like. This is not a list of virtues as if James would call you to say, you just need to be more X and more Y and more Z. That's not what this list is for. He's not saying you just need to be more pure and you just need to be more peace-loving and you just need to be more considerate and so on and so on. He's saying that wisdom produces these things. So we can, we can look at these virtues as almost a diagnostic tool that if we pursue wisdom and become filled with the wisdom of Christ, then we will naturally, will inevitably find ourselves more pure or more peace-loving or so on. So I include the list. It's a helpful diagnostic where you see these traits, you see something deeper and more profound behind them. It's kind of like, um, I don't know if anybody makes New Year's resolutions. Did you, or have you ever met anybody who made a New Year's resolution that said like, as a New Year's resolution, I want my blood pressure to be an even 120 over 80. That would be a weird New Year's resolution, wouldn't it? But if people follow the New Year's resolutions they usually make, they'll actually find that result, right? So, so what are the New Year's resolutions? I'm going to eat more healthy and I'm going to exercise. If you eat healthy and exercise, your blood pressure will drop. And you'll find that 120 or whatever the number is, you see? But there's a difference between pursuing health and pursuing the symptom or the effect of health. That's what James is saying here. He's not saying, so as we look at and consider this list, he's not saying you just need to feel guilty because you're not enough of X, Y, and Z. He's saying the way to grow in all of these is to pursue wisdom. Does that make sense? That's a really important distinction. Now let's consider these, let's call them like, almost like the vital signs of wisdom. And as we consider them, I invite you, consider these with a spirit of, 
of prayerful consideration. You, you might even, even ask God right now, silently, just, Lord, use these as a diagnostic tool. Just like the doctor uses my blood pressure as a diagnostic tool to help me grow in wisdom. What is the Holy Spirit asking me to pay attention to? What are the vital signs of wisdom? The wisdom that comes from heaven, not devil wisdom, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. And then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, sincere, and then he closes with this little phrase, peacemakers who sow in righteousness, excuse me, who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. What are the vital signs of wisdom? Well, first he says, the wisdom that comes from heaven is pure, is pure. Um, imagine, imagine you had a bottle of water and you looked at the label and the label said 90% pure. You're going to pop the lid and drink that water? Some of you are like, well, it depends on what the impurity is. I don't know. <laughs> what, if it says, uh, what if it says 99% pure? Are you going to drink that water? See, wisdom that comes from heaven is pure. Is pure. And purity is binary. Like, either something's pure or it's not. Wisdom from heaven has no trace of impurity. It doesn't tolerate impurity. It's not to say, that's not to say it's perfect because we never become perfect, but it is to say that, that our longing is to allow nothing of the devil's wisdom into our lives. In other words, we don't, we, we don't settle. We don't say, well, 90% is close enough. Wisdom from heaven is pure. Wisdom from heaven is peace-loving. That's an interesting phrase, peace-loving. It loves peace. Not just, not just peaceful, but it longs for peace. It's peace. It craves peace, which means, one, that wisdom from heaven doesn't stir up conflict. It doesn't say things behind people's backs. It doesn't subtly call people's character into question. It, one might say, it gives people the benefit of the doubt. We might say the wisdom from heaven assumes the best about people's motives instead of assuming the worst. But it's not just peaceful. It's peace. Love. It loves peace and it makes peace. You'll notice the next verse, James talks about peacemakers. Not just peacekeeping. You know, keep, keeping the peace. Somebody who keeps the peace is somebody who just tries to smooth things over and, and kind of okay, here's the conflict, so let's just go over here and not, not address the conflict. He doesn't say wisdom is peacekeeping, it's peacemaking. Peacemaking means you have to roll up your sleeves sometimes and enter the conflict with all gentleness, but enter the conflict and probably stick your hands into something that you're going to have to wash them of later. But true wisdom, wisdom that comes from heaven, is peacemaking. It's considerate. It's considerate. What is consideration? Paul gives us a hint in Philippians 2. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. There's that phrase again. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. 
Let each of you, he continues, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. In other words, consideration means we slow down, we take a couple breaths before we respond, we might wait half an hour or an hour or until tomorrow before we click send, and we spend some time pondering how is the other person going to hear my words or my actions. Wisdom from heaven is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive. Okay, now here's a loaded word. Wisdom from heaven is submissive. The fact, by the way, that submission is a loaded word, probably the fact that it might have even raised some eyebrows or caused a little bit of ugh in your soul, it probably says something about how countercultural God's wisdom truly is. True wisdom, James tells us, submits. Now, you might be wondering, submits to what? And what's amazing is James doesn't tell us. So I'm not going to venture to tell you either, but let me just point this out, that if James teaches us that true wisdom submits, then suffice it to say that, that someone who submits to no one, who takes orders from no one, is, according to James, not wise, but a fool. True wisdom, wisdom that comes from heaven, is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit. In other words, wisdom doesn't go in guns blazing, even when it's right. It's merciful full of mercy and good fruit. Okay, this is a hard one, but think of a, think of a piece of fruit. If you, um, if, I'm going to preach to some of you and not others right here. If you've never been to South Carolina or to Georgia in the dead of summer, you don't know what a good peach is. If you've been to South Carolina or Georgia in the summer, you know what a good peach is. Can I get an amen? Anybody? Yeah, some of you know. A good peach in that 100 degree, 100% humidity, North Georgia heat. As you take the bite and it's perfectly ripe, it's not mushy, but it's not too hard, and it's incredibly, like the juice just dribbles down your chin, and it's sweet, and it's refreshed. There is nothing, nothing like a good peach in a Georgia summer. Thank you. Yes. Wisdom from God is refreshing and sweet and life-giving and mouth-watering like good fruit, James says. Wisdom is impartial. Impartial. That's a, why did James add that one? That's, that was my first. Why does impartiality come into that? Wisdom doesn't let itself be governed by rules like tit for tat or, or maybe even you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. It is sincere. Sincere. Now, the, uh, the word James uses for sincere is literally the Greek word for not a hypocrite. Not a hypocrite. Well, what's a hypocrite? If you know your ancient Greek history, like I'm sure most of you do, uh, the, word, the Greek word hypocrite just means actor. And in Greek plays, all the actors wore masks. They wore these elaborate masks. So a hypocrite is somebody who looks like one thing on the outside, but there's somebody else behind the mask. 
James says wisdom is sincere. What you see is what you get. It doesn't put on a different face in different situations. That's a, that's a list, huh? <laughs> that's a list. How in the world do I get that kind of wisdom? If you're anything like me, I mean, you, you tick down every item on the list and go, man, I, I stand to grow a lot in purity and in peace-loving and in impartiality and so on and so on. Where do, where do I get that? Where do I get that? James says, I'm glad you asked, and he tells us. Look back to verse 15. First, he describes um, devil wisdom. Such wisdom, that's the air quotes, that's the envy and the selfish ambition. That wisdom doesn't come from heaven, but it's earthly. It's unspiritual. It's of the devil. Side note, James says that earthly wisdom and devil wisdom are the same thing. That earthly wisdom is not neutral. It is actually devil wisdom or demon wisdom. Let me just plant that hand grenade and move on. But verse 17, the wisdom that comes from heaven, wait, where does it come from? From heaven, which means it comes from above, not necessarily literally, but you get the image. In other words, what's he saying? True wisdom doesn't come from around us. It doesn't come from culture. It doesn't even come from within. True wisdom, James says, hear this closely, does not come from within. It comes from somewhere external, namely from God. Wisdom does not come from what other people say, and it doesn't come from what your heart says. Jeremiah tells us the heart is deceitful above all things, and we ought to be skeptical of our hearts. True wisdom comes from God, who is, who himself is wisdom. Consider Jesus. And let's consider Jesus through the lens of what James says right here. True wisdom is what? Was Jesus humble? Was Jesus pure? Class, did he ever sin? Was Jesus peace-loving? Was Jesus peace-making? In other words, did Jesus avoid the conflict or did Jesus roll up his sleeves and get his hands so dirty that he would have to wash them later to make peace? Was Jesus considerate? Was Jesus submissive? Hmm? We bristle at submission, even when it means we're submitting to something just, and yet Jesus himself submitted to the most unjust thing, which was death. Somebody who's pure should never suffer death, and yet Jesus did. Why? For love. Was Jesus submissive? Was Jesus full of mercy and good fruit? Was Jesus impartial? In other words, did he follow tit-for-tat rules? You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Paul tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't come just for people like himself. He didn't come for people who looked like him. He didn't come just for the people who were already good religious people. He came for those least like him. Those who are well, Jesus says in Mark, have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Jesus says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Was Jesus sincere? 
In other words, with Jesus, did you get exactly, was it what you see is what you get with him? Or were there two different sides to Jesus? True wisdom, James teaches us, comes from God because God is wisdom. Jesus is, in a sense, wisdom personified. Now, it's true that often God's word will tell us things that we don't like. And we, we rationalize, you know, we kind of like to explain those things away. Okay, God, I know you say this, but, and we'll say, you know, I, I, um, I could never believe in a God who would, who would dot, 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 fill in the blank. Or, okay, well, maybe by, the Bible says that, but that was that world 2,000 years ago. This is, this is 21st century modern America. Or, well, I, I was always taught. James, James has a very clear point. He says, any wisdom that is not grounded in God and in God's word is, is not wisdom. It's devil wisdom at best. This isn't just James, by the way. You see it all over in the Old Testament, in Proverbs. Listen to this. This is Proverbs from Proverbs 26. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes, who draws wisdom from within? There is more hope for a fool than for him. True wisdom comes from above. True wisdom comes from Jesus Christ, who is wisdom. It's been a long time. It's been almost a year. But let me point you back to James chapter 1, verse 5, where James says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, where does he say to go? Let him ask God. You see, if you're, if you're wondering, if you hear this list and you feel this list and it feels oppressive and I'm not this or that or the other, the point is not to make you feel guilty. The point is to, to drive you straight into the arms of Christ. If any of you lacks wisdom, if you're pricked by this list that feels like it's just way too much than any person could do, that's because it is. And because the whole point of it is to drive you straight into the arms of Jesus, straight into the arms of God who loves to give good gifts to his children. If any of you lacks wisdom, James says, let him ask God who gives generously to all and without finding fault. And it will, that's a promise, it will be given to him. True wisdom comes from God. And if God is wisdom, then when we ask God for wisdom, do you see what we're doing? What we're essentially saying is, God, give me more of you. Give me more of you. James doesn't give you this list. He doesn't give us this list to make you feel guilty or to make you feel like you measure up. He gives us this list to say, Lord, I need more of you. I cannot do this apart from you, but I know you've already done it. And I know you long to give good gifts to your children. Lord, Give us your wisdom. Give us more of you. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, give us your wisdom, the wisdom that comes from heaven. Give us the discernment to know when we're pursuing earthly wisdom or devil wisdom. Give us the courage to turn from that and to turn to you. Give us more of you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.